0: kind of a dreary New Year's, uh, isn't it? Kind of rainy and I thought it was going to snow, but it ain't going to snow yet, is it? It don't want to snow yet, but I bet when it comes, it's going to come. (laughs) The Lord's holding off for whatever reason, ain't He? But He knows when we need it and when we don't, amen? He's kind of got that under control. I done figured that out. I wanted it to stay warm and then I wanted it to get cold and you know I was kind of wishy-washy so guess what God did he made the weather wishy-washy it was the same way I was thinking I wanted it cold I wanted it hot and so that's what he's done for us he's made it I don't know if I had anything to do with that don't think that I did but boy it sure is what I was thinking about if you would turn with me to Romans chapter 8 I want to finish what we kind of started a couple weeks ago, maybe two, uh, talking about Romans chapter 8. And I want to hopefully finish uh, the chapter. Really exciting chapter for us as Christians. uh, Something that we can uh, take with us uh, on a daily basis. Something that we can read and we can be encouraged by. Uh, I started the lesson off with this verse, and I want to start it off again uh, this evening. And hopefully we'll get to it. Romans 8, 37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Yet in all things, brothers and sisters, all things, we are more than conquerors. We kind of talked about... What that meant, it was a decisive victory that we have in Jesus. We have, no doubt about it, victory in Jesus. And what a great song that we just sung, Oh, How I Love Jesus, makes you really think about Uh, the one that we love and the blessings that come from being in Christ. We looked at that and I want to just kind of get us to where we were last week. Uh, The first thing was uh, we were more than conquerors when it comes to the final verdict. Remember we were in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. The verse reads, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We are found not guilty. And we are freed from the law of sin and death in Christ. What a blessing that is. What a blessing to know that we are freed from the law of sin. We're no longer chained to this sin. It no longer has power over us anymore. We can turn from it and walk according to the Spirit... And we don't die. The second thing. We are more than conquerors when it comes to walking according to the flesh. Romans 8, 5, and 10 talks about those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those of the Spirit walk according to the Spirit. And I want to look at verse 7 just really quick. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When you're in the flesh, before you're a child of God, you don't understand, you may uh, have heard things, and you know what's right and what's wrong, but you are not held accountable to uh, the law of God because you're not a Christian But when you become a child of God, before you're... Let me just back up. Before you're a Christian, you are not held uh, subject to the law of God, which you are, but you're already condemned. See, before you're a child of God, if you're not a child of God, you're already condemned. What a sad situation. But when you become a child of God, when you have been forgiven of your sins, the blessing that comes in Christ is now you understand and you've been given a path that you're able to walk and be successful when you're obeying this law of God. What a beautiful thing to have in Christ. The third thing that we talked about was we are more than conquerors when it comes to death. I know we talked about it just a second ago, but Romans 8, 11 says this, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. We know that when we die, we will be like Him. Why? Because the Bible tells us so. The B-I-B-L-E, is that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. We understand from a little age that the Bible is what guides us. And we see in, in 1 John 3, 2 where it says, But we know that when He is revealed, when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. What a blessing to know, and we're going to talk about this verse in just a little bit more uh, in detail, 1 John uh, 3, 1 through 3, but what a blessing to know that one day Jesus Christ is going to come back and we're getting, going to get to be like Him and go be with Him. He'll be revealed. One day we'll get to see Jesus. You know, I thought about it uh, when I was studying for this lesson. I just thought about the simple fact That one day, this guy that we've read all about, this guy that's done all these things, guess what, y'all? We're going to get to see him. We're going to get to be with him. Can you believe that? This guy that did all these things that came from heaven, that came down and died for you and died for me, we're going to get to see him. We're going to get to be with him. That is an amazing thing to me. That is encouraging to me. Then we looked at number four. We are more than conquerors when it comes to realizing whose child we are. We're children of God. Romans 8, 14 through 15. For as many, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our Spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. What an encouraging thing, just these four simple things that we've talked about, these four blessings that come in Christ Jesus. At the end of this chapter, you can just see Paul and the excitement that he has. We're more than conquerors. We can conquer anything. We can handle anything because of these blessings that we've received from Christ Jesus. Which brings us to verse 18 is where we stopped. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The sufferings that we have today, the sufferings that we face today, you know, in our minds are are hard. They're tough. Sometimes when we deal with them, we think that it may be too much for us to bear. But one of the encouraging things that the Bible does for us, one of the things that this chapter does for us is it wants us to mentally fix our minds to understand no matter what situation we have, no matter what we're put in, we know we are more than conquerors. No matter what it is, let's say that I do die. Guess what? I'm a conqueror. Because I did what I was supposed to do. Let's say I'm injured. Guess what? I'm still a conqueror. No matter what the situation is, no matter what I'm going through, and I'm not saying that it isn't tough, but what he's trying to make us do, uh, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is he's wanting us to fix our minds to be prepared for the situations, to be prepared for the tough times. And he's going to talk about it in just a minute. Paul had tough situations that he was faced with. Paul had tough situations that he had to deal with. And for him to say this says something big. Says something uh, big to the fact that we know that uh, he says through tribulation or distress or uh, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, no matter what it is, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I make it. I win. I don't lose this battle. And so here we are, we uh, continuing down the end of the chapter, we come to number five. We are more than conquerors when it comes to the hope that we have in Him. Let's read verses uh, 23 through 25. It says, Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for for it with perseverance." Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And I, I use this a lot. Uh, And and you'll probably, uh, you probably already notice it. But that's okay, because guess what? These are the verses that I use to strengthen me. So guess what? I hope that they can strengthen you and not say, man, Matt just uses these verses all the time. I wish he'd use some other verse. Man. Carrie, I'm sorry, dude. Okay, here we go. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And here's the verse I want us to think about. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. What keeps you going? Hope, right? What keeps us going as a Christian right now? The hope. That Jesus is going to come back, right? The hope that we're not going to die and go to hell. The hope that Jesus is going to redeem us, right? And and bring us to God the Father and we'll be saved, right? Think about birthday gifts. Think about Christmas gifts. Think about when you're getting ready to do your Christmas shopping and maybe you asked your kids or, or, or the people that you love around you what they want. Give me your list, right? Boy, I had a long list. And I almost got all my stuff. You know what I'm saying? It was some good stuff. Shoes and ties and good stuff like that. Y'all probably love all that. Um, But you ask your children what they want and then they tell you. So then what happens? They have hope, right? They start having this hope that they're going to get dinosaurs. Libby wanted dinosaurs, as soon as we got her a dinosaur, she was scared to death of it. It was like, Why'd you want a dinosaur? She said, That's not my favorite thing. I don't really like those dinosaurs. It's like, Well, but think about it. Here they are, they have this hope. They have this hope, and what happens is they know that when December 25th comes, what's going to happen? They're going to get the present, right? So, as you look and the days get closer and the days get closer, what happens? You get more excited. You get more happy, right? Why in the world, brethren, are we not that way? Every single day, guess what? Is a day closer that Jesus Christ is going to come back. Think about it. Tomorrow, Jesus Christ may come back. In 10 minutes, Jesus Christ may come back. We are getting closer and closer every single day to Jesus Christ coming back. That's hope. That's excitement to me. That makes me want to strive more and more and be better and better knowing that I fixed my mind on this hope. And the Bible tells me when I do this, I purify myself. I make myself pure. I continually keep myself pure where it needs to be. Pure water is a lot better than some old dirty, nasty dirt water, right? Some mud in it. I like pure water more than I would like to drink some water out from the side of my septic tank, right? I can constantly be pure. Yeah, that's a terrible thing to think about, ain't it? Sorry I gave you that illustration. But seriously, I can purify myself. Let me run with that for a minute. Okay, let's think about this. Think about the the things in your life. Think about the dirty stuff that we do. Think about all the sin that we do. Think about the things that we do that are contrary to God's Word. When I think about the hope of heaven, am I going to do some of those things? No. No. If I am doing some of those things and I'm continually thinking about heaven and I'm tempted with that, I'll stop myself. See how that works? How you purify yourself, you keep yourself pure by keeping that hope on your mind. And that comes through Jesus Christ. And what does it do? It produces perseverance. It makes you strong. It makes you strong in your faith. It makes you be able to handle things better and better every single day. Hey, guess what, brethren? Jesus Christ is coming back. And He's coming back maybe in about 10 minutes. You ready? Are you excited? Okay. number six. We are more than conquerors when it comes to Help in our weaknesses. Romans 8.26. What an encouraging scripture. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. How awesome to know that in Christ Jesus we have help when we're weak. Amen? It says we don't know what we, how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. I mean, when I first obeyed the gospel, I never understood this type stuff. I didn't realize the blessings that I had as a Christian. No wonder Paul's so excited. He understood the blessings that he had in Christ Jesus. The blessings that we all have. That we can take full advantage of. The Lord covers every aspect of our life for us to help us but we just have to be able to understand what he says and then when we understand it put it in action maybe we're struggling to find the words to say when dealing with a tough situation maybe we don't know exactly how to pray for someone uh, exactly the way we should isn't it a great feeling that that the spirit helps us It makes intercession for the saints. You hear that? For the saints, according to the will of God. That's a blessing for saints only. But what we have to do is make sure that we're doing what the Lord has given us the ability to do. And what is that? To pray. Are we praying? Are we a people that pray? Are we a people that spend time, and I've talked about this last week, spending time talking to God in prayer. Not just, Lord, thank you for this day, thank you for the food, bless to my body, amen. Or, Lord, be with me tonight, forgive me of my sins, amen. No, spending some time talking to the Lord about some things. What a blessing it is to be a child of God, amen. Number seven. We are more than conquerors when it comes to knowing all things work together for good. And I want to spend just a little bit of time here. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. They're tough times. Things that happen in our lives that make us sad. There are tough situations that we see going on in the world that make us sad. The comforting thing that we can get from this verse is we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. If you would, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. You know, we live in a fallen world. But that wasn't God's plan from the beginning. Did He know what was going to happen? Absolutely. But was that His plan from the beginning? You know... I think about uh, why would God allow these things to happen, and I'm encouraged by Romans 13, 19, which says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Don't think that the wicked things going on in the world, the wicked things that happen uh, in our daily lives are not going to go unpaid. God is watching God understands what's going on. But I want us to look at this. In the beginning, look at this. Look at what Adam and Eve were a part of. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail with it, but I want you to look at verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. The beautiful garden. That he made, he meant for Adam to go and tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, of it you shall surely die. And then the Lord said, It's not good that man should be alone. He ends up making woman for man and there they were in the garden to tend it and take care of it and do exactly what God said and guess what? That's where they'd be. In a beautiful place. But what happened? He gave man free will. Thank you, Lord, for giving me free will. Amen? Thank you for not making me a robot and just do exactly what you want me to do. Yeah, you want me to do this, but guess what? I have the choice to say yes or to say no. Look at chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed, sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now look what happens when God comes in. Look at verse 13. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? What a terrible situation. God had prepared this garden for them. He had put them in it, gave them all of these blessings around For them to tend and take care of. He gives them something that they uh, can eat of freely, of all these things except for one thing. And what is the one thing they do? They go and eat of that tree. What a terrible, terrible situation. But guess what happened out of that terrible situation? Guess what happened out of that situation? Look at verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. We see the first prophecy of the Messiah out of a terrible situation, out of something that was so bad we see the prophecy of jesus early on and we see what comes from that we see that we see a man who came and loved us so much that he allowed us to be forgiven of our sins he allowed us you know when this happened what happened to the to man and god is there was separation made the separation had happened sin came into the life and separated man from god Until Jesus Christ came. And through obedience to the gospel, we can be forgiven of our sins, we can be reconciled to God and have a right relationship with Him. Thank you, Jesus. Turn with me to Genesis 45. And I won't spend a lot of time here. had a Bible study uh, just the other day, talked about this and thought it was just so good to just bring up for this verse... The story of Joseph. You remember his brothers uh, sold him into slavery, sent him down the road. Uh, these were the brother. These were the sons of Jacob. Joseph was Jacob's favorite. Gave him a coat of many colors, and the brothers despised him because of that, and they uh, end up sending him on his way to. Uh, in slavery, wherever he go, wherever it was, they didn't really care. What a terrible situation. I got one sister, and I would hate for my sister to send me into slavery. That would be a terrible thing. But here he was, trying to be uh, friends and, and, and a good brother with these guys. He had these visions. He had these dreams. They, they just really couldn't stand Joseph. And here he was, gone. He goes on a long journey. He goes to Egypt. All kinds of things happen to him. He goes to Potiphar's house. Uh, The wife of Potiphar accuses him of trying to sleep with her. He gets put in jail. He tells uh, two people their dreams. They forget about him. And here he was, finally. He becomes second in command to Pharaoh. Through all these tough situations, through all these trials, he stands in front of his brothers who have come back because Joseph was the one who saved Egypt. He was the one who had the vision that saved Egypt. There were seven years of of prosperity and there would be seven years of famine. Joseph was able to tell Pharaoh this dream. Uh, Pharaoh puts him in charge and he accomplishes it and they have food for seven years of drought. And here was the drought. The brothers are in Canaan. They come down needing food and Joseph sees them. Look at verse 3. Then Joseph said to his brothers, they don't know who he is when he first gets there and he sends them around and sends them back and they have to come back with another brother. A lot of things happen. But now they've come back and Joseph is about to reveal himself to them. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. What a terrible situation that happened to Joseph. And here he was with the right mind frame. He tells these guys that sold him into slavery, that hated his guts, to not be grieved or don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me into slavery. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Let me fast forward back to Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Are you negative or are you positive in your life? When you think about the things that go on in your life, is it half full or half empty? Joseph ends up being second to Pharaoh. Think about that. Somebody who isn't even an Egyptian... Terrible situation, God working. Sometimes when the problem is right here in your face, it's hard to see past it, and I get it. That's why we have the Scripture to encourage us, to keep our mind focused on, I know this is tough, and I may not even see the answer. That's why I'm so encouraged by five years I prayed that I could talk to Isaiah. Five years. And guess what? I had the the chance to do it. And I've been having the chance to do it every single week. And you know what? Now he's been moved to a different cell. You know, he thought all was good. He was in this cell with with Bill, the first guy I talked to. He was in there with him and everything was good. They were able to talk to each other and have these Bible studies together. And guess what? I went down there and saw him and he was moved to another cell where the felons are. When I saw his face, he was down. He was out. He was struggling. Because now he had to act tough. Now he had to be in there with the guys who aren't getting out very quick. Now he had to be in there with guys who may not be uh, getting out for a long time and they may be getting transferred to some other place. So how in the world does he feel? We said, hey brother, what do you want us to pray for you about? And he asked us to pray for motivation. He needed to be motivated. I feel sorry for him. I hate that he's in there. Now, did he do it to himself? Absolutely. Does he need to serve the punishment that he, for the crime that he did? Absolutely. But it still doesn't make me feel any less sorry for him being in there. But what can I do? I understand that all things work together for the good. And the reason why I know that is because I love God. I don't know what's going to happen with him. I don't know what's going to go on. But here's what I do know. I can affect his life every day to make him want to be better. To make him want to do God's will. In his tough situations. That's just my story. Everybody's got one out here. Everybody's going through something tough. But when we have this encouraging thought in our minds, this should help us. It helped Paul. It helped Paul be better. Look at verse 31, and I'm going to finish up. Because I want to read the rest of the chapter. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 29 to get us to 31. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. I want to say Paul knew the end. I want to say Paul knew what was going to happen in his life. But guess what? He didn't. Because guess what? He was a man. Just like me and you. But look what he says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us hey brethren god's got us covered do we want to do his will shouldn't doesn't that excite you to know that god's got you covered who shall separate us from the love of christ Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution... Think about what those first century Christians were faced with. They were killed. I was reading some of the... uh, We had to do in class when we were talking about Greek. We were reading some of the second century writers. And one of the situations was they brought the, the mother and the child terrible they brought the mother and the child in the Colosseum area had a chair iron on fire with coals underneath it told them either profess Caesar as Lord or if you profess Christ That's where your child's going. You want to know why God's real? You want to know why these early Christians let their child... Because Jesus is real. He was really there with them. I wouldn't dare put my kids on a hot, burning chair if what I believed wasn't real. Amen? God is watching, God is there. Yeah, that's terrible to think about. And it makes me emotional to think about it. But the point that I want us to understand is this. It was real. So when he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Or distress? No. Or persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? No. As it is written, for your sake, we are all killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. God bless America, amen? I don't have to worry about that. But brethren, are we prepared to face a persecution? Are we prepared to be able to handle somebody saying, if you profess Christ, we're going to lock you up? God has blessed us so much. Will we look for opportunities to tell others about Him? Will we look for those opportunities while we have it like we have it? These guys didn't have that luxury. And guess what they were doing? They were still proclaiming His name, which encourages me. Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 8, brethren. Powerful, powerful chapter. I thank the Lord for Him giving that to me. I I, I hope that uh, it's encouraged you. Jesus Christ is real. And He's coming back. And we have the opportunity to change people's lives. And we have the opportunity to tell people the blessings that come in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and you need to repent. Maybe you're here and you're struggling. Maybe you're here and you need to obey the gospel. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Jesus Christ told us the way to be saved and the way to make heaven our home. I'm so encouraged by Paul. I'm so encouraged by these first century Christians persevering through. I'm so encouraged that through inspiration, we have the ability to see these situations and be able to be encouraged by them and strengthened by them. Have a great week, brothers and sisters. Happy New Year 2017. Hey, let's go change the world. Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you need to obey the gospel, if you need prayers from the saints, come right now. It's together, we stand the same.